Podpesa got everything right with deep pockets for sponsorships, talented founders, and knee-deep connections in the right places, the betting company became a giant. This is the Country of Gamblers, presented to you by Paul Ofula. Anataka kufishwa. Huyo ni Prata Kids. Anataka kumfisha Sister Leila Sawat. Anai record future nine ni Prata Kids. <laughs> Anafanya vituko fiote vitendo. Few weeks before he died, Keith Buisa gathered his family around. He had a surprise for them. With his charismatic self and the life of the party, Keith is in a gifting mood. Today is no different. He has gifts for everyone. A cake for his sister Leila and a Rolex watch. The sister Leila is extremely happy and she says as much. He requests his sister Leila to bust birthday balloons as he introduces his family members. Keith is on a charm offensive. All this while he firmly recorded on his phone. When he gets to his mother, Keith shows ultimate respect while introducing her. He removes his cap and gives the mom a proper introduction. The video ends with Keith looking at the camera saying, They didn't. Days later, Keith was found dead, and in his suicide note, the message was, Betting kills. Please stop betting. I have watched this video a dozen times, and I'm baffled every time with the things you pick up. This family is closely knit together, and they look genuinely happy. Keith is obviously a charismatic individual. You can see the admiration his family has for him and he for them. This means so much to him. Throughout this recording, he makes sure to flatter everyone and say nice things about virtually everyone in the room. He has done so well in life through business. He is also quite successful and an ambitious man. But this video is recorded few days before he dies by suicide. Something is very wrong somewhere. Just what happened to 27-year-old Keith Buisa? Here is how his brother described to me how Keith Buisa started sliding into the unknown. So before he passed on, he, he started going silent, like he's not talking to us. He's not picking our calls sometimes. When you call him, you say he's busy. Okay, you could see something is not good. He was undergoing depression. 
but he was not speaking out. Like, if you ask him so much, he say, I'm okay, I'm okay. I will be fine. So he started, you know, borrowing money, like, he can borrow it to Jay, like, give me 2,000, 5,000. So you're like, what's not happening? He was the one who was giving out cash. Now he's the one who is borrowing cash, you know? So one day he said he has lost like 90,000 through a bet. So we were like, ah, that's normal. Because initially, in 2018, he lost like 70,000 through a bet. Like, ah, that was normal to us and to him. That's normal, he says. Normal to us and to him. Keith losing bets had been normalized and just not small bets, huge sums of money while at it. There was always hope to recoup his money. So the more big monies he lost, the more he dug deeper and borrowed. The vicious cycle continued. By this time, his businesses started suffering and depression set in. His family thought they could help out. They took out personal loans and gave the money to Keith to plug the hole that was left by the betting losses. So, Pio Pese Kachangwa, the 70,000 Ilichangwa, Wakampa. So he paid out. This 90,000, my elder brother took a loan and gave him like 60,000. My dad gave him 25,000. I don't know what mom gave him, but <laughs> he said he cleared out the loan. So in, in two months, Kate was not a normal person. He just changed his lifestyle. No friends, no contract. But when you ask him what's going on, he's, I'm okay. I'm okay. When you ask his boss at IPA, he said Kate was here, he was a happy man. Yeah, you tell him at home he's not talking to us, he's not calling us, he's not sharing out. He's like, but Kazi Akosawa. And so you see. When you sit with him one-on-one, -on -one, you realize something is not okay. But when he's with his friends, he's fine, a jovial man. The jovial man had become indifferent. His last interactions with family and friends are at best contradictory. He became reclusive, distant, and moody. One of the last moments of his life Keith goes to his rural home in Busia, Western Kenya, where he awkwardly excuses himself and wants to go back to his house in Kakamega. The family rebuffs his attempts. Next, he starts a fight with his girlfriend. All these were just a ploy to get away from the family. Keith just doesn't want contact with anyone. So dad noticed and said, you are not okay. What's not happening? 
and if it's about the money so you cleared it out I said I'm fine I'm fine so he left going back to Kakamega at around 5 p.m. so on that night he called that they talked like an hour over the phone they talked they talked then dad told us I think our brother is not okay he told him you sleep we shall talk in the morning then that day in the morning at around 12 Kate's phone went off so um gambling addiction is uh the repeated involvement in gambling despite there being negative consequences or substantial harm and it's also known as the hidden addiction because it's easier to conceal than other addictions for example with an alcohol addiction uh, you, you can there are noticeable signs there are those telltale signs maybe you can you can smell the alcohol on the person or you can see the person is intoxicated frequently or more often than not yeah but with gambling addiction they are not they are not those noticeable telltale signs to that extent this is kevin gashier he's a psychologist who has been dealing with gambling addicts for more than 6 years in kenya kevin tells me people gamble for many reasons some gamble to escape their situations traumas escaping from reality or looking for some temporary relief from something whatever the reasons that get one into gambling it's a dangerous roller coaster as soon as one gets hooked now when it comes to the signs of 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 someone who has a gambling addiction we can break it down into four phases right the first phase is called the winning phase So in this winning phase um the person is gambling for that fun and excitement and they are winning here or there and things like that right then they start to get preoccupied with with, with the activity they start to spend a little bit more time um gambling they they and or they start to think about it a, li- a, a bit more than usual after the winning phase now you have the losing phase now in this losing phase the Uh, losses have accumulated you're losing more than you're winning right the person starts to become a bit obsessed with the activity to the point that they start to neglect uh, personal responsibilities um family obligations and also work obligations uh the person is also chasing losses they're, they're trying to win back what they've lost and so they keep on betting keep on gambling in an effort to win back that money um there can be also lies and manipulation to hide the extent of the gambling or the extent of the problem um and and here you also see these unsuccessful efforts to stop the person has tried to stop here and there but one way or another they find themselves going back to the activity yeah so after this phase after the losing phase now we have the desperation phase right in the desperation phase um 
the, uh, the person starts to rationalize gambling. Like, um, you know, I can figure out this system and, and, and beat the system. Or I need to uh, bet bigger. The higher the risk, the higher the reward. Or I can bet that school fees, I'll win it back anyway. And here also the person is, is borrowing a lot more money. Um, maybe they've acquired loans here and there. They are in a lot of debt at that point as well. After the desperation phase, now you have the last phase, which is the hopelessness phase. Now here the person starts to isolate themselves. Um, they've lost relationships. They've lost opportunity. They've lost career or jobs, right? A lot is crumbling down and they're in almost crippling debt at that point, right? And that at that point is where the suicidal thoughts and the suicidal attempts start to manifest, right? Because a lot looks like it's crumbling and for a lot of people, they feel like there's no other way to get out of that situation. And suicide is a symptom of depression. So the person who's having these suicidal thoughts or, or who's attempting these suicides is most likely depressed at that point. So, we can recognize Keith in these stages. A man who was successful then suddenly gets hooked into betting. For whatever reasons, we don't know. However, as he's going, he wins some bets in the beginning. Then the losing starts, and he keeps losing. He tells himself, I'll bet more to recover the previous losses, and the losses just kept growing bigger and out of financial control for him. In the end, he's embarrassed and deeply depressed. His family thought it was a manageable problem. So they started borrowing money, giving to him ostensibly to cover the losses. But that is just a tip of the iceberg. Keith needed a different kind of help than money from friends and relatives. He needed medical attention because he was sick. His world was crashing in on him. And, and we know that also gambling addiction has the highest number of suicide rates in comparison to all other addictions. In the previous episode, I explored the mind of a gambler from those who had won. In this episode, I really wanted to find the other side, the dark side of betting. What happens when you lose and lose a lot like Keith. Here is Keith's girlfriend on what she remembers about the man during his last days. I think he was addicted to betting because kuna time nilikuwa nimekuja nyumbani nikamwambia akaniambia tu acha alikuwa ametumia pesa amebet so nikamuliza ah usifanye hivyo tena next time like unaona cuz me i support him unaona ile wenye relationship na mtu kama sasa ana pesa nao mi ni pesa yangu use tunatumia unaona so akaniambia tu alikuwa ametumia like pesa so wenye alikuwa ametumia pesa but anyway 
This is the last person, the last person you could think of killing themselves. The least person, the last, sorry, the last, last person. Yeah, last person to think of killing themselves. So I was really, I really didn't understand why did he do this? And why did he do this? What was wrong? To do the point that we read that uh, okay, so they read the note to me. Uh, like, hey. uh, actually, I remember, if I remember the words, Vijana, uh, don't bet, work hard for your money. Then some note, a uh, note to the to to, to his to his parents and a note to his sisters and brothers. That's it. I can't remember the other part, but from the first first part, I do remember. You say Vijana, 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 don't bet. Actually, just, I think it started with the Israeli. Vijana, don't bet. Work hard for your money. That's okay. So, that's what really uh, that caught my eye. And yeah, this thing is serious. Because uh, remember, in 2019, it was rampant. Could not go a month or two without hearing such such news. Mm. Was somebody tried to kill themselves, or somebody died, or somebody apatikani. Mm. Germany versus Italy in Europe 2016 is a setup. A big game pitting Europe's giants in football. According to pundits, these teams were equally matched, but Germany had a slight edge. So, they were coming to this match with a bit of favor from the pundits. Somewhere in Nairobi, Kenya, a young man, Paul Midega, was doing more than just watching this match. He took out a huge bet of 80,000 shillings. This money was not his. It belonged to his elder brother, and it was entrusted to him for household bills. I will let my colleague, sports journalist David Kwalima, take it up from here. Uh, yes, sir. Uh Thank you, Paul. Uh, July uh, 2nd of uh, 2016 was an important day in uh, European football uh, when uh, the semi-finals of the European Cup were to be contested. And uh, as you may know, the Euro is a big, big event, sporting event in Europe. It's the biggest uh, sporting uh, competition in the whole of Europe. Uh, it's, it's a tournament that brings together 24 teams. Uh, 
that have qualified to compete in this tournament and uh, some of the big teams you can talk about Germany, Italy, England, Sweden, Croatia are coming there to compete. And you know, football can be a very passionate game as well. Uh, just to probably bring you closer to home, uh, the Euros are an equivalent of the Africa Cup of Nations uh, tournament in Africa. You know how big that is with the Cameroons of this world taking part or the Copa America in South America with Argentina taking on Brazil. So that's how big it is now. When it gets to the semi-final stage, when such a tournament gets to the semi-final stage, now that's the serious end of business because you can almost uh, smell the trophy. Uh, Germany, and uh, Germany and Italy are some of the biggest uh, teams in Europe. Germany have won this uh, trophy uh, three times. Italy have won it once. So uh, Germany probably thinking of the fourth title and Italy uh, talking about getting the, the, the second uh, title of uh, of, of, of their history in this tournament. So it's an evenly poised game, uh, the semi-finals of the Euros, evenly poised, Germany and Italy, almost nothing to separate these two, time, uh, two teams in terms of their history and culture of the game, uh, the, the biggest talents you can ever see on, a, on the field of play, and, and the professionalism, I mean, Germany in their traditional white and uh, black shorts, Italy with their all blue or blue and white. So everything to play for at that point in time. Remember, all the other leagues, uh, in the world have come to an end. The Euros, you don't compete with any other tournament. The English Premier League is over. The, the, the African uh, leagues are over. So everything, uh, the whole world, anybody who wants to watch the best football match of the day will basically be tuning in uh, to watch that game. So Italy and Germany come into uh, the game. Uh, a place in the final at stake. Uh, all the teams have, uh, have, have paraded their best possible footballers uh, for that assignment. The whole world is watching. The whole of Italy is watching. Uh, the whole of Germany from Berlin to, to, to Munich is watching, just like the whole of Italy from Parma to Roma to Milan is watching this game. Uh, all the rivalries aside, you know, Germany, there's the Bayern, Munich and Borussia Dortmund rivalry, but all the fans have now come in for the common good, just like the AC Milan, Inter Milan and Juventus in, in Italy. All the fans of these teams have come in for the common good of the country. Uh, so the game starts and... Uh, anticipation all over the place. Uh, we get uh, to the first half, uh, uh, comes and goes without any goal. And then the drama starts in the second half when Germany score first through uh, then Arsenal midfielder Mesut Ozil, who's now in Fenerbahce in, uh, in, in, in Turkey. He comes in and scores a good goal. And uh, at that point in time, it appears Germany could just uh, sneak away with this. With this. Uh, but that doesn't happen because Italy have other ideas. <laughs> uh, with 12 minutes to go, uh, Bonucci, uh, a gentleman by the name uh, Leonardo Bonucci comes in and, uh, and, and, and scores uh, from the penalty spots to just bring the, the, the matters level. Uh, the, 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 the game remains that way up until full time uh, and, and it's settled later on in penalties. But as you know, uh, at that point in time, the, the, the world football governing body FIFA does register the score at 90 minutes. Whatever happens after 90 minutes, of course, after 90 minutes, you're going to get a winner because there is something at stake. There's a place in the final of the tournament at stake. At that point in time, the game ends in a draw, but it goes to be settled again in penalty. So it was a very exciting, interesting uh, clash. A lot that teams from Africa can learn up in terms of professionalism, in terms of the type and style of play, in terms of tactics, in terms of... Uh, how stadiums are filled in Europe and the passion of football in Europe. Remember, it's the English who invented the game, but they were not participating in this game in time. But Germany and Italy, it's a perfect advertisement for European football, and it was in this case in point. First, I would understand his passion and excitement from this game. Uh, the fact that he can put in a stake of such an amount 
into this game shows that it's a high-stake game, not only to the Germans and Italy, but also to this young man, Lidega. Then in his mid-twenties, he's been following the tournament and he believes, he loves the game. You only invest your emotions and, and resources where you love uh, or where you are certainly almost sure that you have something in return. So he puts in that stake of 80,000, 40,000 to Germany, 40,000 to Italy into the game. I can picture him watching the game in anticipation mode. At halftime at 0-0, zero, zero, he's losing his money. So I can imagine him not being even able to take a cup of tea or coffee, uh, just, just anticipating and, and waiting for the second half to start. And then Mesut Ozil gives him a lifeline with his money by scoring uh, the first goal of the game. Uh, and then all of a sudden over there, he's looking, oh, I've made my money. And you also have to get into his thinking. He splits the bet, puts stakes on both teams, because he wants at least to get something from it. Either way, he's looking at it as a win-win situation for him, and it is a win-win situation, because in this part of the world, you don't get 80,000 shillings very easily. It's an equivalent of 800 US dollars. So he's put in this stake, and he, I, I can picture him trying to make a kill. It happens once in a while, but most of the while it won't happen. But he goes for the kill. He goes for the kill. He looks at a scenario where he's probably, he's, he's probably through on goal with only the goalkeeper to beat. So it's up to him to look for a perfect spot within the goal for him to place the shot and get to score. So when Mesut Ozil scores the first goal of the game, I can imagine a very excited Paul uh, saying, wow, uh, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. If I can just play in close for the last 25 minutes of this game, then I'm a rich man, I've made my money back. Uh, but then Leonardo Bonucci has other ideas. Uh, of course, aided by Jerome Boteng handling the ball in his box, and things just go haywire. Things just go haywire because there's a penalty and the, his world just comes crumbling down at that point in game. At that, at that point of the game because when Bonucci uh, does successfully convert that penalty, which is not an easy thing anyway, and it's 1-1, then it's back to basics for him. It's back to square one for him. He has to ensure that one of this team does win. He can't do so much at home. He's done his side of the story. He's put in his bets. All he can do is cheering or is cheer on either team to win, because for him to stake all these bets, it means he too was not very sure in both the teams, so he goes for a 50-50. So that's, that's the thinking of his mind. He's not very sure who can be able to win. Probably he's gone through the form book and seen that Germany have a good record in this tournament, Italy to have a good record in this tournament. These teams have one of the best uh, uh, possible talents in the world. Uh, Germany have not lost at all in the tournament, so there are all these stakes to, 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 to consider before putting in your bet. So he's gone for 50-50. So between the 78th minute and 90th minute should be the longest time of his life. Because, I mean, he's waiting, he's hoping for another penalty. Whenever there's a corner considered, he's anticipating, he's on his feet. But it doesn't happen. But from where I sit, uh, the basics of a football match, uh, Paul did miss out on one very important aspect of a football match. Which is, in any football match that takes place in this uh, world, as per the current football laws, you can anticipate three results, not two. You anticipate a win, a loss, and a draw. So when you place your stake on, on, on this team beating this team, of course you're anticipating that there's going to be a win somewhere and a loss somewhere. But he forgot the important aspect that the match can settle in a draw. Or probably he didn't understand the rules of the game and thought that the penalties will count for a win. They don't count for the win as per the laws of the game. A result of a football match is registered at 90 minutes and sent to FIFA. FIFA will know that this result ended this way at 90 minutes. Whatever happens after 90 minutes, 
is to look for a winner, not the result. Yeah, so the result is 1-1. One, one, but yet again, after the penalties, that is why in any match report as from the journalism training, you tell your audience what happens after 90 minutes and who won the game. So it's 1-1 one, one, and uh, later on so-and-so wins on post-match penalties, not winning the match. So he forgets that aspect of the game and it costs, in my opinion, it goes ahead to cost him his life. Because from where I sit, if Mesut Ozil's goal remains, Paul could probably still be alive today, hindering other occurrences that could have happened, but he could probably still be alive today. And uh, if Italy as well do win that game within 90 minutes, it could be a different story. So the important, crucial aspect of the laws of the game in this point in time is where Paul does lose it. But you cannot as well ignore the betting side because uh, I'm looking at it, he's put in so much investment, equivalent of 80,000 Kenya shillings. This is not his own money. He's probably hoping to make a kill and give back the owner of the man his money, who in this case was his brother or a clo close relative. But it all goes wrong in the last 12 minutes of the match and it's the most uh, regrettable 12 minutes of his life. Paul Midega's gamble did not work this time. He had lost a lot of money. Jualikuwa na yate na safkom. Na isa safkom na yate laiku kwa inafana zote. Satu kash, tuka uja mokwani ya menda api ame uawa. Ndiyo tulikuwa tisisi tunafikiri. Tunafikiri ya hivu. Sakumaliza siku tatu, ndiyo tukiamuka suboi. Tunapata uwe jama already na majinyanga ukuja. Kwa ile mambewa ya nye kwa pale juku. Kwa amuka suboi, njua tu kujua kama ni ule jama amekufa. Njua vile amesimama, alikuwa amesimama. Alisimama ni kama aliteremuka chini, saile aishanya nga kakufa. Yo zido yake ikaleta miti kakujache. Some Aoni kama uyo brada enaonge. Masa uyo madea karibu kusonga karibu na ye ndi hakaona ile kamba uredi. Uyo jamame kufa. Lakini kapiga nduru watu wakakuja. Sasa unajua hiyo time hiku watu kukua tunajua ninini inaendelea. What is going on konini uyo jamame amo kukufa tu kibiaka. Tukafikiria, tukafikiria juu ya kwanza tulikuwa tunafikiria maybe kuna mtu amemuua akamleta hapa akaange na akamba kume ndiye amejinyonga tukajaribu hata kuna juu kuna nguo ingi fulani alibeba huko kwa jwala alinunua jwala hiyo jwala ni kama maybe tukisikia story mwenye alimleta na pikipiki libeba kamba na huko awende kufika awende kanunua kamba kanunua karatasi hili juu ile wakati ilipata kama nini mambo ya urubagi jatoka bado tulikuwa tunatumia tu jwala ile kawaida 
akanunua sasa unajua hiyo jorandi alifunika nayo macha akajinyanga akachukua kuna karatasi aliweka hapo ndani aliandika yeye ameenda madek asione vibaya ni vile ametumia hiyo pesa ndio ameamua akaona ameharibu pesa sasa aliona akaliamua tu kuvia kijualiandika mtu asione eti amekufa kikwa juu ya kila kitu but that money ali lost ndio aliona hii hapana vile nililos nimelosi hiyo itabidi tu lakini angese angekuja hapa nyumbani tu consult na mabe tuone what next tunafanya aje juu hata wewe brother yangu hakuna kitu aishashema hakuna kitu aishambia yeye lakini yeye aliamua tu aliona maybe that man is a big man Here is the consistent thread through it all. The gambling addiction had become rampant in Kenya by this time. The more people were gambling, 6 million at a go, the more the disease was spreading like wildfire. No one detected it. No one saw it. And people like Paul Midega ended up being just another new story. The family says the pattern was all too familiar. But uh, you know, do tunafikiria ju hiyo kitu ndio alikuwa amesaya kufanya hii mambo ya betting. Every pesa, yani every money pole akikuwa na pesa alikuwa yani the first thing is betting. Na confirm ame bet amepata kitu fulani ndiana kata kuna siku tulikuwa na yeye hapa nyumbani akabeta akapata kitu kama 10000 kuna siku fulani nikaingia ananiambia bro nimepata leo tunafanya aje lakini yani uzuri yake alikuwa akipata hiyo pesa anazaidia watu wa nyumbani ana confirm hata akiwa Nairobi atakuwa unajua ni aje mtu wangu leo na brother nimewin kitu fulani kitu fulani siku kule kitu kadogo yani anafanya kitu kama yeye anakuambia ukweli nimepata hivyo nimepata hivi na hivi hiyo ndio maana wakati alikuwa alikuwa tulikuwa tunafikiria maybe melosi yodo kwa hiyo lai barua amesema anasema huyu mama usilie wacha tu niende usilie ona tu barua hii usilie barua yake ile polisi anaenda naye In the years that betting was rampant in Kenya just as television screens were filled with winners and enticing advertisements of possible jackpots there was also constant news of suicides and deaths occasioned by the betting craze Kenya was getting sicker by the day but no one was interested in diagnosing the problem Everyone was betting not just the youth though the youth constitute the majority of gamblers 
Here is psychologist Kevin Garcia again. Yes, when it comes to the youth, even when you look at um, other addictions and, and even other mental health conditions, the onset is usually at the youth level. That's when things um, start to manifest. Now, the youth deal with, you know, stressful situations as well, like unemployment, for example. There are some that come from um, difficult uh, backgrounds. And for some of them, gambling is a way out, right? Financially, uh, in terms of escape and in terms of thrill, right? And right now, they're calling it the microwave, <laughs> the microwave generation or, yeah, you know, a lot of people want that instant success and gratification, especially the youth, right? So even that plays a, a very big role. But also on the other side, uh, like I mentioned, there's some mental health conditions that uh, a lot of them, their onset are at the youth level. They start at the youth ages from like 17, between 17 and 35. That's where it starts, right? So based on that also if there's a pre-existing condition some of them may end up um, involved in gambling and it can lead to also problem gambling so stressors and also based on how you know the onset of, of certain mental conditions in the youth level you see here's the thing Betting companies to death claim they have no responsibility over people dying by suicides. Are they right? I mean, they're very wrong. <laughs> it, it, gambling addiction has the highest suicide rate, right? Um, a lot of people with gambling addictions are depressed, yeah, because a lot, they can see things falling apart, right? If, especially if at one point they had you know, their relationships were okay, they're, they're, you know, they had their jobs, their careers, their opportunities, and now all this is, is gone. It's, you know, going down the drain. And an addict, at some point, they feel very lonely. There are points where so many uh, people who are experiencing addiction tell me it's, it's as if you feel it's you against the world, like you're alone, and you can't see how to get out of everything that's going on at that point. So, and that's where the suicidal thoughts start to manifest. So I, I'd say they're very wrong. It has the highest uh, number of suicide rates and, you know, for a reason. And it's because a lot, you know, is, is, is crumbling at that point. What betting has done is expose this country's young and the most vulnerable to a deadly disease. That is clear. Also, gambling in a strict sense as an agent to raise money for sports is not bad per se. We have heard that so far, for instance, the Kenyan sporting scene is now a ghost town. Athletes are filling the void occasioned by sport pesa withdrawal of sponsorships. However, the line must be drawn for the sake of Kenya and other countries without strong laws. Because as it is, the gambling market is virtually uncontrolled. 
Currently, the shiny things, money, advertisement, and sponsorship clouds the moral responsibility of depression, deaths by suicide, and a general mental well-being of citizens. Betting companies believe that they have no social responsibility to, for instance, provide safety nets to those who get addicted or get depressed. Surely, there must be some sort of control. Let me ask you a question, for example. How on earth would you like these foreigners to engage in uh, gambling in, in your country? Two, how on earth would you like these people to engage in gambling in your country without due diligence? Without anybody filing a background information, knowing as we all do, that this is business that is always prone to uh, the temptations for money laundering, uh, you know, and then so on and so forth. And sometimes trying to wash proceeds of crime. And, and, and that's why I told these foreigners when I was deporting them that you are doing, you want to do things in our country, you will not do it in your own country.